everybody, and welcome to our 10th episode here of the K2 Podcast. Uh, I think we got something uh, really nice planned for you guys. It's going to be a real treat. It's something a little bit different than what we typically do. Um, however, after speaking with our guests a little bit, and uh, we've been corresponding back and forth, I think this is something that everybody will enjoy. Um, so here, uh, our special guest is here to talk with us about a topic I think uh, everybody will be able to relate to in some way. She's a certified global life and love coach, a certified clinical trauma and addictions professional, a certified mindfulness coach, a number one best-selling author, uh, the host of her own podcast called Lessons in Life and Love, as well as an educational speaker. She's certified mindset coach and licensed mental health counselor for over 20 years. Everyone, uh, welcome to the show, our special guest tonight, Rihanna Milne. Uh, how you doing, Hey, Rihanna? hey. <laughs> how you doing, Kevin? I'm doing it's nice wonderful. to be here. Well, I'm glad that you decided to join us. So um, I don't want to take up uh, too much of your time this evening, but could you tell us a little bit more about your work as a life and love coach and uh, how you came to be about that? Sure, sure. Well, I started out the standard way of uh, triple masters in applied clinical and counseling psychology and opened up a private practice in New Jersey called Therapy by the Sea. And at the same time I was growing the practice, I worked other jobs. Mm -hmm. So one of them was working as a crisis trauma counselor in the schools. And I actually worked at every grade level, kindergarten through college. Okay. So I got to really work for the students day in and day out, those that were diagnosed ADD, ADHD, and maybe they just came from traumatic homes. Um, oppositional defiant, the bullies, those that were being bullied, uh, some character education. And I also worked in a hospital unit uh, for adolescents. So children as young as five, all the way up to age 19. And then I worked in a drug and alcohol rehab center for teens and also for one for women from the prison system. Wow. So when I look back, everything I worked around was trauma. And then my clients often came in with trauma around their relationships. And then my first marriage was traumatic. And I left that husband very early in life. Um, my girls were only four and five. Mm. And then I married again. And, and that was as someone who was a sociopath. So it was my personal experience that said, what is going on? Why do I have toxic partners? Um, I'm educated. I'm fun. I'm a great mom. You know, I'm fun to hang out with. Sure. <laughs> What's going on? And I couldn't understand it. And nobody had the answers. I had seven psychotherapy friends. Nobody knew why my ex was like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. <laughs> because everyone loved him, but he had a totally secret life that exploded on him. Okay. And when it exploded on him, it ruined me and my life and business, our marriage, our, our plans for our future, everything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the last thing I said to him as he was running out of town in shame is like, why did you do this? I don't get it. He goes, I don't know why I sabotage everything I love. I don't get it either. And I said, well, I'm going to figure it out. Because I knew the man loved me, but he had like some demons and I just couldn't figure out what it was. Um, and that started my journey and it showed up childhood trauma. And it first began with ACOA, adult child of an alcoholic, which he was. But then just working with all the other populations that I had, that was more than just coming from an alcoholic home. Sure. There was more. So I just started adding up all the traumas. There's about 18 or 19 of them, but I talk about the top 10. And most people, according to research, have one to three of the top 10 that I mention. Wow. I wouldn't have guessed that, you know, so one out of every three people you're saying? 
No, one out of, uh, they have one to three on the list and actually 90% of people have that, you know, they have at least something on the list. And then the wow. standing joke is the other 10% are sociopath and won't admit anything's wrong with them. <laughs> so, you know, everybody's got a little something. Sure. So that's interesting to know. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of shocked to hear you say that. So you saying you specialize in childhood trauma. How does that hold someone back from having a life or, you know, a, a loving relationship that they maybe want or dream of? Right. Well, they they didn't realize, nobody realized that if you don't heal your past childhood traumas and emotional triggers, mm -hmm. you bring them as an adult into your adult love relationship. They show up in life, love, and business. So they show up in life by ongoing anxiety, mm -hmm. bouts of depression, mm -hmm. uh, craving substances or hoarding or gaming, any kind of addiction. Uh, that's life, how they show up that way. It could show up in love, and I'll, sh I'll go through some of those characteristics and it can show up in business so that could be somebody that stays stuck in that nine to five job and hates it but craves the security and is afraid to take the next move or someone that will go so far independently in their own business and stop and say no i'm not making that investment so it's that feeling of unworthiness or i can't do it I think that's you know. probably the one I struggle with the most personally. You know, I don't <laughs> want to, you know, just put everything out there. But, you know, sometimes I kind of invalidate myself or say, you know, maybe even when, when I began this podcast, it was something like, do I, if people going to tune in, is this something that people will like? So I've kinda, I, I can relate to that in some way. So that makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Yeah. So there's all different kinds of ways it shows up. It's quite interesting. We have a top politician. I won't say his name, sure. but there's a, a, a thing that he does, which is called blurting out. Okay. Saying t things totally inappropriate that sure. people are like, why would he say that? Right. Or always looking for validation or people to like him. Sure. This is definite signs of unhealed childhood trauma. His father was a tyrant alcoholic. I think, yeah, understood. You know, if you ever knew the biography, I really, I love biographies since I was a kid. Sure. So you look at for those messages and, you know, that's, uh, he has some blatant signs of unhealed childhood trauma. Understood. So uh, could you give us uh, some more examples of the destructive patterns that may emerge uh, or someone who with these kind of unhealed childhood traumas? Yeah, you know what I might do if it's okay, I'll go through the top 10 traumas. Okay. And then how they show up because okay. I'll say trauma two and trauma seven do this, right? And then okay. that'll make some sense. So for the audience, if they want to play along, okay. uh, get a piece of paper and pen okay. and write two columns. Um, actually, so you have three sections. Okay, I'll do that right? as well. Yeah, good. Let's see what you got there, okay. Kevin. All right. So <laughs> you're going to make three columns. The first column, you put me. All right. The second one, you put partner. So anyone you remember struggling with, past or present. And the third one, you put parents. The reason is the research has shown childhood trauma goes through at least three generations. So if you had some, your parents had some, and so did their parents at the very least. Okay. okay, so the way to stop it is to get educated in how to heal childhood trauma and then your children don't have it. Um, so this is the top 10 and uh, 
as I go through the list, it's very important that you don't look at it in blame or shame. So we're not looking to blame your parents at this stage of life. They did the best that they knew how or that was possible for them. And it's not about feeling shame around it because you were just a little person, a little child, and you just adopted the best you knew how in your little innocent childlike way. Makes okay. Sense. Okay. All right. So here we go. The first one is addiction. So if your parent was addicted to anything, now I am an addiction specialist as well. So I'm going to name 12 addictions that it could be uh, drugs, alcohol, mm -hmm. sex, meaning you knew your parent was a cheater, porn, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, workaholism, and now addicted to social media. Mm -hmm. I've added that one. So those 12. And I think the social media one now with everything going on with the virus, same thing is becoming even more relevant. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Okay. Yeah. Are putting so, children always on machines to quiet them down. So you know? should, I've seen that as well. So are you saying yeah. that under that addiction uh, characteristic or problem that should go under the one of the three in one of the three columns? No, you may or may not have it. Your okay. your dad might have been an alcoholic sure. and you not, okay. you know, so you could put dad in that okay. last column. All right. So second is verbal abuse. And that would be if you watched your parents yelling at each other, mm -hmm. if your parents yelled at you, mm -hmm. if they were mad and they got silent on you for an, a couple hours or a day or so, so they got passively aggressive. Um, this also means if you never heard the words, I love you, mm -hmm. or were given great, you know, great job, these verbal accolades. I'm proud of you. I knew you could do it, kiddo, things like that. And instead you might've heard verbal put downs, like change your clothes. You look fat in that, Jeez. or you're not leaving the house looking like that. You look like a mess, you know, whatever the verbal put downs might've been. So that's all around verbal, very important category, by the way. Third is emotional abuse and neglect. Fourth is physical abuse rape or molestation. Now that physical abuse is any kind of beatings or hitting with a belt or a spoon or anything like that. Um, and those beatings could have happened inside or outside of the home. Mm -hmm. So if you had a tyrant grandma, it could have happened there, or you could have gotten beat up at the schoolyard by the school bully, sure. you know, so in or outside of the home, those events could have happened. The next one is around abandonment. There's two types, fault and no-fault abandonment. So a no-fault abandonment would be like if your parent happened to die early, if your parents had to go serve at war mm -hmm. and leave the family, or like when I had, my dad was FBI and CIA, and we didn't know it. Mm -hmm. We also never knew where our dad was. So as a kid, I remember saying, when's daddy coming home? And my mom would be upset. Well, I don't know where he is. And I'm thinking, why does she not know where her dad right. is? Yeah, that, you that's know? So, but it was no fault abandonment because that's how he supported the family. And he really couldn't tell us mm -hmm. to keep us safe. Right? right. Okay. Now there's fault abandonment. That means if you were never involved in your child's life, if you were involved and then you're rarely involved. And the third one would be even if you're there with a child, but you're not emotionally connecting. So it could be like partial visitation and the dad's just watching football all weekend and the kids in the room saying, what, I have to be here. He doesn't even play with me anyway. You know, that kind of anger around that absent, emotionally absent parent. So that's a big one around abandonment. Okay. okay? 
Um, all right. So the next one would be if you're a part of foster care, adopted, or you had to go live in another home. Mm-hmm. So it could be a friend's home, family member, even if it was a grandma, an aunt, an uncle, they couldn't keep you at that house for some reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I worked with a lot of foster care kids. So that's all these have come from my experience of people with real trauma. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, then the next one is the one that most identify with, which is called personal trauma. So this could have been, if you were bullied at school, you might've been an overweight child, skinny and gawky and called the nerd. You might've had a medical condition and you felt different from the other kids. You could have been identified ADHD, ADD in the school and had to go to special classes. Um, just anything racially, you could have been different than minority. You could have been trying to struggle to come out as LGBTQ and felt not accepted. This has so many different areas this could fall into. And I do help men and women straighten LGBTQ because childhood trauma has no prejudice. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So this is a big category, number seven. Okay. Number eight is sibling trauma. This could be your sibling was born with a medical condition commanding more of mom's and dad's time. Mm -hmm. It could be uh, they bullied you or most Often, Mm -hmm. it is the one where you perceive them to be the golden child, the favored one. Mm -hmm. So maybe the the athletic star or handsome or more beautiful or more popular at school, anything that, you know, you just perceive them to get all the accolades and attention. Number nine has two parts. The other part was on the later list, and I had to bring it down to the top 10. So there's kind of the top 11. But this one is community trauma. Now, everyone in our globe is handling community trauma with COVID virus. I agree. Right? So now we can see all these children going through this. So now 90% have one to three traumas. Now I think it's a lot more than 90%, right? Okay, so, you know, the children can't go to school. They can't go play with their friends. They're wondering what's wrong. They hear mom and dad saying there's not enough money to pay the bills. All these lack messages, the fear, are we going to be okay? We're going to lose our house. So it's a very traumatic time for families, couples, and little children. Um, I have a whole speech on how to parents (laughs) to protect the little ones right now and not hear so many fear-based messages. It's really important. Um, So community trauma is also our mother nature acts, floods, fires, hurricanes, volcanoes, where mass communities are wiped out. Mm -hmm. Also, it's our school shootings and our mass shootings. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, this whole category around community has become fiercely huge. Mm Right. Okay. The other part of number nine is family trauma. So family is a part of community trauma, but this is also if your family lived in a dangerous area, you know, and you were growing up and afraid where you lived, or you heard a lot of lack messages. We don't have money to pay the bills or I'm out of work. There's no jobs, you know, all that fear-based talking. It could be if a parent was incarcerated It pertains to our military families in the U.S. They travel every two to four years. They usually move to a new base, which puts the kids in new schools. Um, So there's a lot around family trauma. Okay. 
And then the last one, number 10, is mental health illness in mom or dad. And that could be diagnosed or not diagnosed as baby boomers. Our parents didn't go to counseling, so you kind of have to guess. Mm -hmm. And the two most difficult for children to deal with is um, bipolar and borderline personality disorder. So borderline is, I best describe it as fast trigger anger. Mm-hmm. and extreme moodiness. So when they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid. And you never know what you're going to get. Right. These people explode at the stupidest things. Sure. And you're like, why are they all upset about that? Yeah. You know, so it's very hard for a little child to negotiate that, leaving a child in high anxiety. I can tell you almost every client I have that come to me or has high anxiety, anxiety-like symptoms, because they're just so used to it. Um, And then the other one is a bipolar, which is manic depressive. So manic phase could be a gambling spree, an eating binge, spending spree, uh, many, many things around that, around the addiction cycle. Um, And depression can come out as anger, checking out emotionally, or extreme fatigue. So those are the top 10 traumas that I talk about. How many did you have? Um, I, I'm not going to release that on air. <laughs> well, you're going to tell me after the show, yeah, I'll right? tell you after the show. We'll definitely talk okay. about that. But <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so how can some of these emotional tr- uh, triggers or destructo- destruct- destructive patterns show up in business and impact life for adults in, or in other ways? Okay. So in business, um, well, I told you about the politician. Um, It can show up by repetitive jobs or not being able to hold down a job. Nothing's good enough. The boss is against me. Mm -hmm. Um, It can be, again, that fear factor. If you're trying to go out on your own, you want to go so far, then you stop yourself or sabotage yourself or get too tired to work on your project because you're afraid to fail. Sure. Right. So, well, it's covert. So I can't do this. Or, you know, you always are finding excuses in your head or that person that's afraid to leave the nine to five secure job that really hates their job. Mm -hmm. It could be around imposter syndrome that a lot of our entertainers, our singers, actors, models have saying, well, geez, why am I making this kind of money? Or why did I get so famous? I'm not really that good. You know, that whole disbelief that they deserve it. And mm-hmm. I think everybody has can, can kind of relate to that in some aspect. Uh, Kayla in the chat says she's talking about me to a T. So she feels ah, like this. So, hello. She, <laughs> so that's interesting. Yes. People, when they hear my message, they do identify from the list. And then let's talk about love because then that might really hit your listener. So how this shows up in love, there's so many combinations. I think I put together 24 combinations, but there's always new ones. Um, So the thing is people of trauma attract people of trauma. Mm -hmm. And these relationships are very sexy and fun and passionate in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's usually two people that crave love Mm -hmm. and then something happens. And the the time frame is four months to nine months or a year, or when it gets more serious, moving in together, getting engaged, getting married, having a baby. Okay. Mm -hmm. These are volatile times that the relationship could break down. Okay. Because... 
They weren't given the skills to navigate through these transitions. I think I went through a few of those relationships myself, to be quite okay. frank. <laughs> okay. All right. So how what shows up? So let's talk about jealousy and control. Okay. That comes from trauma number seven, not feeling good enough, mm-hmm. not feeling pretty enough, strong enough, sexy enough, not just not enough. Mm-hmm. And trauma number two, hearing those verbal messages. Like you're too heavy, go change your clothes or, you know, why do you look like that? Or why should I pay for college for you? You'll just waste my money. Mm -hmm. So those messages of I'm not enough. Now, interestingly enough, my primary client is successful in business, but struggles in love Mm -hmm. and can't figure out why do I get the business part right? And love is a mess. I keep attracting toxic people. What is that? Right. This is what happened when you come from that volatile home Some kids find love and acceptance by their teacher. Okay. Okay. They, um, they become the teacher's pet. They love getting good grades or that might be the one time the alcoholic mother says, Oh, wow, you got good grades. I'm proud of you once in months, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's if you got good grades. So that was one way that you could get love from your parents. So they figured out, yeah, to be, you know, smart at school, successful in school, that feels good. Mm -hmm. So they got normal, ego fulfillment through working hard and in business. And that continues for business. And this is where some people become workaholic. They just can't find the boundary. Okay. But it fills that need for love in a certain way. Okay. Okay? But then the love part portion was never handled. It was never fixed. And you and I, before the show, were talking about us, especially in America, mm-hmm. we're taught to fall in love by chemistry. Right, right. Right? The That's nursery how I've always rhymes. approached it. I was like, hey, whenever I see a girl and things are clicking and like you said, like everything's sexy and all fun and games and stuff, I feel like that's what You're I'm looking for. You're such a guy, for. Kevin. <laughs> that's the problem. Understood. That's a man. That's okay. a man for okay. you. Well, I got tons of things to tell you about the difference between men and women, but, <laughs> but that's another show. Um, but here's the thing. Um, yes, we were taught by, you know, our, our fairy tale, Sleeping Beauty, the right. handsome prince comes, kisses you, you're going to go off and live happily ever after. This is how we were told. This right. is how you fall in love. I've you always feel it. it. Feel it. Right. Chemistry. Right. Every guy's online profile must have chemistry. If there's not chemistry, it's not going to work. Right. All right. Here's a bad news, guys, our listeners out there. Chemistry turns on in the brain. It's your phenylalanine, dopamine, serotonin, chemicals running around. So it is chemical. Mm-hmm. But the brain can't decipher if this is toxic or if this is good. Mm-hmm. So you go with it because, and, and what the soul and the psyche knows is, and likes is what's normal. Okay. So that person will be giving you, filling up those holes of craving love, mm-hmm. but then that personality is just like mother or father. So you will hear time and time again, God, I fell in love with someone like, just like my father. I would never pick someone like this. Right. But you were so blinded and it felt so comfortable because it was normalized. That's what the soul wants. That's what the brain wants. The body wants what's normal, what it's used to. Right. It's comfort zone. Right. So this is what we call unconsciously falling in love. So what I teach is called conscious dating. Or if I work with a couple, conscious relationship, where you think about everything that you say, you do, you write, and it's a whole new way of relating 
And then if you're a couple and you know each other's childhood wounds, uh-huh. instead of triggering them and the cycles of couples go around and around and around, it's like 10 days good, five bad days horrid, you yell, you scream, I'm out of here, I'm divorcing you, you get quiet for a couple of days, there's an apology, then you got another 10 good days. Right. It's this toxic cycle of bad couples, right? And when you're in a bad relationship, the research shows there's breakups an average of seven times breaking wow. up. Then, then, you know, consciously, wow, this person's so bad for me. They're so toxic, but unconsciously, but I really miss them. And they had some good things and the beginning was good. Now you're starting to rationalize. Right. And, you know, I think, uh, I think it goes back <laughs> a little bit to the comfortability portion. Sometimes you're like you, and also that self doubt we were talking about earlier where you say, well, nobody will like me. I might as well go back to my old relationship. And then you find right. yourself in that cycle. So, okay. So right. Kind of coming full circle here. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So in, in, uh, I've got a program called relationship rescue and the, the, the way I have to handle it is I have to do childhood trauma work on partner a and partner B uh-huh. seeing what is pulling them to the toxic state, make them consciously aware about it, then educate the other partner about what the other one has and then work together as a team. Okay. And be I like more that. compassionate. And, so, and the and this information is on your website, correct? It's www.rihannamilne.com. As best as I can describe it. Yeah, okay. com. But I do, yeah, they can do a discovery session with okay, me. Okay, I'm going to make sure, um, you know, through our, our contact back and forth via email, I got a lot of your social media links. And so all of that stuff will be in the description cool. of the video. So I'll make sure yeah. people have access to that, that want to uh, – you know, touch base with you. Kayla in the chat also says, I really need her in my life. Seriously. So uh, she's, she's related. <laughs> All to right, Kayla, that. just, re- just reach out to me, RihannaMilne.com, purple button on, or orange button on the header. And, uh, I meet everybody for one hour. It's only $47 right now. It's a steal just right. for COVID for a while to help everyone out. That's awesome. Um, and that's the problem when there's stress, like around this virus, sure. these relationships are breaking down, you know, Absolutely. they're, they're really struggling and this is for singles too. If they're, you know, they really want to get out there and date, but they're not feeling good enough about themselves. Um, you know, it's important that you're a successful single first before you start dating. Yeah. I think some people tend to do the, the opposite. I know as a man, and this may sound weird and maybe you'll have some insight to this, but I saw this, um, uh, what do you call it? I wouldn't call it a poem, but somebody wrote something to the effect that, um, a man lost his house, his job, his car, and his wife. Which one do you think came first? And I found it interesting because I've noticed a few of my friends or people that I've dealt with typically lose the woman first, um, and then they kind of fall apart with everything else. Why do you? Can, is there anything you can say to that, or does that make sense at all? Well, they might have spiraled into depression. I have worked with men that have love addiction. Mm -hmm. So it's like when they lose that partner, they're so focused, like an addiction, on the woman that he lost and trying to get the woman back. And on there, do you really want her back? She's cheated on you three times. Right. And, and they're like so addicted 
that it's their fix and they can't see their way out of it. That's a, that's a strong sign of a lot of childhood trauma around abandonment issues. Abandonment can be physical or emotional, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And that's where the love addiction or codependent relationships come from. Um, Another one that women do is people pleasing a lot. Mm -hmm. That's the difficult parent. Let's say uh, the alcoholic father who was like the yelling, screaming, and she would do anything to make sure he was peaceful to the mother and the kids. So then that woman might grow up and people please her husband to death. And then they come in and she goes, nobody does anything for me. No one loves Mm -hmm. me. Like I love them. You know, I do this, 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 and this. She's burnout, exhausted, resentful, and rightfully so. Sure. But she's giving, giving, giving to the point, and she's given nothing for herself. She's just empty. And usually I hear from these ladies is I've just lost myself. I have I, I don't I've know who I am anymore. With some of my female friends who when mm-hmm. before they got in that they're just a total different person. They're just not Yeah. The same. So it's I've a shame. It, yeah, it is. It, a lot of the times I'd say more than not, actually more than ninety percent, you know, um, it's it's definitely not for the good typically. Yeah. Um so we talking about some of the bad things with relationships and but when everything seems so perfect, everything's clicking, why do those things turn toxic and when things do tend to get more serious? Why do, why do you think Well, we have we have something called a 90 day rule where okay. people can be pretty much on their good behavior for about 90 days. Okay. This is when the phenylalanine's rushing around. This is, you know, um <laughs> God kind of made it that way. So we procreate and continue the race, right? All the good stuff's in the first 90 days. But then, you know, as time goes on, you're going to start seeing mistakes. So you might catch a lie or someone promises you something and they don't deliver. And you're, I always hear people saying, we just want back from the beginning. We just want the beginning back Mm -hmm. in the relationship. You know, they're always vying for that first 90 days and not really paying attention of, okay, this is what's happening right now. So you might see in the fourth month or longer, more drinking, more pot smoking, more pill use, or you discover pill use, or yelling and moodiness, or being late to the job, or making you late to the job, just sabotaging things. And you've got to really stand up for yourself and say, this is not good. I am not happy. I'm getting help. If you want to come, come. If you don't, either I'm going to help myself and be happier in this relationship, or I'm probably going to leave it. Sure. I mean, people don't put enough boundaries down. They just keep putting up with stuff, um, inappropriate behavior, cheating and manipulating and lying. And, and then, you know, now they have kids. Right. You know, and now the kids are brought up in this environment that's toxic. And this is, it just keeps going through the generations. It's sad. It makes, that makes a lot of sense. So Dennis, uh, Dennis in the chat says, how can someone uh, heal or what are ways to heal? And that's kind of what I wanted to get into next. And okay. if they don't heal, what kind of happens? Yeah. Thanks, Dennis, for your questions. We love questions. <laughs> um, yeah. It's very important to heal. If you don't, again, it will go down to the next generation. Uh, my singles, when they come to me, it's usually the second or third toxic relationship. We call it same person, mm-hmm. different face. Mm-hmm. It's like they swear they're going to get a different next time. And it's like, God, I just got another partner exactly like that one. Mm-hmm. You know, houses keep happening to me. And that's, I was in those shoes. You know, I get that. And the thing is, you'll keep repeating that. 
And that's the sad thing, you know, and it could be very costly, not only financially, but on your health. Mm -hmm. The uh, Kaiser Permanente group did a study, they call it the ACE study, Adverse Childhood Events. Mm -hmm. And they only did the correlation studying adults, but 17,000 of them with unhealed childhood trauma. And it made them sicker Mm -hmm. with uh, chronic disease, illnesses like cancer, uh, irritable bowel, migraines, all kinds kinds of illnesses mm-hmm. um, and people dying earlier in life mm-hmm. because the, the trauma is unhealed. So think about it. It's, it's your body on overload in the brain and the body cells. That's where trauma is stored. Right. So the cortisol is high. You're stuck in this fight or flight response for days, months, mm-hmm. years. So it's wearing the immune system down, like chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, mm-hmm. is all from unhealed trauma. And then every time you get triggered, like this COVID, it's a sure. big trigger sure. for anyone not healed. And this is a really good test right now, Kev, mm-hmm. because here's the deal. Those of us that have the mindset for success, mm-hmm. when this happens, it's like, okay, great. I have some free time to do a new project. I'm going to upgrade my marketing. And this is what I've been doing. I just launched a brand new course, Success in Dating. So I'm like, what can I do with this extra time? Okay. It's going to get slow for a little bit. Okay. I understand it. We all got to do our medical thing. So this gives me an opportunity to do this, this, and this. So we're there. What can we do? And we're proactive. The other part of humanity is reactive. Fears, anxieties, Mm -hmm depression, anger, you know, I hate the world that I have to stay at home protesting. You know, it's like, is that proactive? No, it's reactive. So these are people that are being really triggered. Uh And that's a sign if you're being triggered that your childhood traumas come back up in an emotional trigger situation. Interesting. It's very Mm -hmm. interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. So what does uh, emotionally healthy and involved relationship look like? Well, my book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve. It's 400 pages, went to number one on Amazon. Section four is all about the emotionally healthy relationship. So there's several hundred pages in there. So I'll give you a few tips of what we can do on a show because that's pretty cool. So for my couples, um, we have a saying, it's you and me against the world. In other words, you have to put your partner first before friends, before kids, before parents, before the in-law. I mean, you just have to. And, And they're like, well, why don't you put your kids first? Because if you don't, the families fall apart. Sure. It's always about running the kids to soccer and football and this, this, and that. And you don't have enough time for your dates, uh, dressing up for each other. And I hate to say it, but usually it's getting the woman out of the house, yeah. you know, because she's around her to-do list. I got to cook dinner. I got to do this. And then the man, you know, she's exhausted. It's 11 o'clock. They're laying in bed. They watch the news. He's everyone have sex. And she's like, no. Right. She's not turned on. I mean, you know, the woman's got to be in a relaxed state with five senses turned on. Women's physiology, her body is totally different than the man's. The man's sexual center of the brain is seven times out of a woman. (laughs) This is what I'm saying. (laughs) The difference is, right? So the man, if he still wants to be intimate, get her out of the house. Go for a walk. Drive to the beach. You know, get a blanket and a bottle of wine and some cheese. Like, just connection and communication 
in and love and getting her out of the environment so she can relax and get in tune with the five senses. I mean, in normal times, having appetizers, a glass of wine, listening to some music, you look good, you smell good, right. you're telling her she looks pretty. Bingo, that's senses another are turned I, on. That's another thing I, I want to touch on, too. There's a lot of my friends <laughs> who, who complained to me, Kev, man, my girl, you know, she wasn't in the mood. I was like, did you shower today, bud? Like, you, you're not looking, you're not smelling good. You're not too, like, come on, you know? So you, I, I, I preach that a lot of the time. So I, I think that's pretty good. cool. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, I had a man in my, a couple in my office, and he's there. Well, I married her. Why do I have to keep romancing her and taking her on dates? And yeah. I said, that's the attitude, so you don't want though. sex anymore? Yeah, that, yeah, and he got real quiet. <laughs> and I said, "Well, all right, make your choice." Yeah, that sounds about right. That Hello, now, ladies on the call, if you agree with me, put some hearts up there. <laughs> Tell me I'm not right. That I'm sounds serious. right. I, I'm not. I, I don't want to condone that, but I guess I mean when you're beat, you're beat. You know, <laughs> it's science, man. It, right. it comes down to a caveman woman, uh, cave woman's brain, and caveman brain, and we can't help it. And this is something else your audience should know it's a little off topic but it's super important caveman brain was meant to fall in love by attraction sure because they're supposed to procreate the race so right. women you know if they say oh he just wants this media to be pretty and sexy right. yeah he does okay he's driven that way we can't hold him back that way women uh, fall in love when they feel safe. Mm -hmm. They want to make love when they feel safe. Think of the whole thing of making love, right? right? So, man, you have to understand if you're screaming at your lady and want sex later, it doesn't equate. Sure. Right? right. So we are need. We are the child bearers. So we need to feel love through safety and security. So when men say all women want is money, mm-hmm. we want security. Or the turn-on factor isn't there, and we can't help it. It's sure. physiological. All right, so the battle of the sexes doesn't have to happen if each one of us understands our old cave brains, sure. which was meant for survival. Makes sense. And like, right? Right. But one thing I do want to touch on, because, you know, uh, and this is just to be fair here, uh, you talk a lot about, you know, what the woman needs, but what can a woman do for the man a little bit? How can that be reciprocated, you know, on, on the other end, just to advocate from a guy's perspective? Um, well, I work with a lot of men. Sure. Okay. So the problem that I'm normally finding is the men fall in love with chemistry. Yeah. With a woman who might be sociopathic, mm-hmm. um, a user. Sociopaths use people for pleasure or profit. Okay. So I see a lot of successful men. I see some entertainers that have been used horribly by women. Sure. And then they're addicted by her looks or her sex appeal or this or that. And they're using sex to get the guy. Right. Come on, guys. You know, be smarter. You know, it's more than just the icing on the cake. Look at the woman, you know, for her character and her qualities and her values. Um, You know, again, I talk about a team. It's you and me against the world. Be a team player. Both women and men need to be a team player. And the LGBT clients out there as well. You know, your partners, be partners. Um, Also, there's something about balance. And I talk a lot about equilateral triangles in my book. Mm -hmm. So for couples, it's you, me, and us. So, you know, you, that line is your personal time, your job time, time with friends, your parents, if you have to, um, and he has his, 
but so many leave that leg for the couple uh-huh. so short. Sure. You know, do you touch base with your partner a couple of times a day? Hey babe, just thinking of you. Right. You know, do we do an extra little thing, you know, instead of them buying lunch, you, you make them a lunch or you take them a lunch that day. Yeah, ladies, and I think you, see you know, that in things the like beginning that. of a relationship, you know, that first 90 days, kind of like what you were talking about. I see that a lot more where, you know, the texting is really hot and heavy. You're checking on the other person. Then after that 90 days, it kind of slowly dissipates. And it's like, and maybe that contributes to the, uh, you know, the less romantic portions and, you know, you start to go downhill, so to speak speak well you've always got to keep a conscious awareness about it right and if you see you're doing it your partner stopped have a conversation hey babe it kind of hurts my feelings like i do text you but i barely hear from you is there something going on you know i'd like to get it back to how we used to have it so you never have to yell and scream at your partner the only time you do it if in their if they're in harm's way Mm -hmm. that's it So people have to learn to communicate their feelings with love, compassion, and not all you, you, you blame. Right. Okay. And that's what pushes people away when it's always blame. Well, you do this, you do that. Take responsibility, you know, but there's, unfortunately, we did not learn by our parents in our schools, in our college education, how to communicate properly so that you're heard and you hear your partner's opinions and feelings as well. Very important. For singles, you have to be what you want to attract. Okay. So, you know, when women say, oh, I want a financially stable guy, I'm like, well, are you? Good point. You know, Good point. I want a guy that's, you know, um, great with his kids. Sure. Are you? Right. So when I do coaching, our life coaching portion is first and then love coaching is second mm-hmm. because they have to feel amazing about themselves whether a single or a couple, okay? Individually, they have to love who they are. They have to have high respect. They have to know that they're doing the right thing. So that means high in integrity. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to love their career and be stable emotionally. So we have to get all that past trauma and emotional trigger and the anxiety all fixed. And it's all holistic. None of my people are in psych- psychotropic drugs. No. Right. We meditate, vitamin therapy, but it's the mindset for success and it really, really works. So be individually who you want to attract and keep in your life. Um, also, you need to know your top requirements. So if you're dating and you're like 28 to 34 and you definitely want marriage in a family, sure. ask that person, don't waste your time and say, you know, are you a man that sees yourself as wanting to be a father? Mm-hmm. And if you say, well, I don't know, maybe if the girl wants it, that's a no right. answer. Right. Okay. And I know my daughter, Steph, when she was dating Charles, I told her, ask it on the first date or ask before you even go on the date. And it goes, oh, absolutely. I couldn't even imagine my life not being a father. That's super important to me. I love my dad and I want that relationship. That's a yes. Okay. Okay. So that's an example of a requirement. Know what your requirements are for what you do want Mm -hmm. and what you don't want. For example, what I don't want in my life would ever be to have someone has an addiction problem. Okay. Okay. That's a requirement. I want them emotionally and physically healthy. Sure. Right. Okay. Perfect sense. Yeah. So know your requirements. Very important. And then there's emotional needs, functional needs, wants. You got to define all of that. We do that in the love section. Um, Know what your future goals are. 
you know, really in the bottom of your heart, what is it? And then you just don't date anyone that doesn't align with that. Sure. When I was living in Jersey and I wanted to move to Florida, I would not date a skier. I could care less about snow skiing. I don't like the snow. So it's someone else that loves, you know, vacations and good weather and palm trees and water. It's like, that's my partner, you know? So uh, know that what you want and what's important for your life. And then the last one I'll share is um, very much in all the studies, two faith-based people uh-huh. made the happiest and longest lasting relationship. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking spirituality. Okay. So that's something you are 24-7, okay. spiritually based. And two people like that make the best relationships. Sure. Well, um, so I don't. I want to get into a couple of questions here from the audience. Sure. Um, one thing uh, we have here says, she says, I don't want, I didn't want kids and my husband knew that, but here we are married with two boys and I'm so much happier. What do you say to somebody that maybe not knowing what they want or need or in a situation where they didn't really want kids and then they had those kids and, you know, is there anything you can say to that? Thank God you both want kids. I'm (laughs) sure you're working very hard at being parents. You know, you all go through phases. Maybe in your younger phase, you didn't think you wanted to be a parent. Mm -hmm. Now that you're older and more mature, I mean, I'm very successful in business, but the the happiest and most joyful thing I did was have my two daughters. And now I have five grandchildren, two twins recently born. And, you know, they're adorable. Sure. You know, my grandkids love me. They call me glam mom. Sure. That's (laughs) awesome. I like that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really cool. And, you know, know what you want. And it's okay that you change your mind. Sure. But... The marriage, you know, you you really want to be gut honest with where you are. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't want to fake it to a partner just to be married. That's that's very high in, you know, that's low integrity. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Another question I got from uh, one of the gentlemen, Brian. Uh, What do you think about toxic masculinity? How do you describe that and what what it looks like and what that means? Okay. Um, there's so many terms thrown around. The, the big buzzword today is I had a narcissist. Uh-huh. So, I mean, bad negative male energy would be narcissist, uh-huh. I would say. Uh, there is a lot of narcissistic abuse, mm-hmm. but I have to tell you the majority of people that come to me and say I had a narcissist, I said, wait, I'm going to ask you some questions. 9.5 out of 10 times they were sociopathic where they use someone for pleasure or profit. And again, there's women and men sociopaths, okay? Uh-huh. So with the the male, uh, you know, Ugh, I want to be a caveman, I want to control you, I want to dominate you, it just sure. doesn't work for the female. We're college educated, we've had to support our kids, you know, we're successful. There's right. more women in the workforce than men today. Oh, yeah. And women had to grow up, you know, um, working harder. Mm-hmm. You know, we make less money per hour than the man, which means we got to work harder, prove ourselves, you know, and, and it's been very difficult. So when a man tries to come out around and, and bully us or beat us around, we're like, hell no, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, sure. thank you. Um, so that kind of masculinity is just old fashioned. Sure. I have to say, I'm very impressed with the majority of millennial men who have really stepped up to parenting. Now, I have two daughters and two son-in-laws who I adore, and they are fabulous fathers. And my daughter's work, I mean, my one daughter's written up in Inc. magazine and Forbes magazine is the top 11 female entrepreneurs changing the world. That's awesome. 
Alexi Panos. I mean, do you ever think she's going to have a man say, you know, I'm going to control and dominate right. you? She'll yeah. say, what? Yeah. You know, so, but now she's a mother of three little kids, twins and a two-year-old. Okay. My mega entrepreneur daughter. So, you know, he, her husband has stepped up. He's a fabulous father. They're a team. Mm -hmm. And the millennial man that's a team and will change the diapers and feed the baby mm -hmm. and take the kids out for walks really does enjoy the loving side of parenting, those hugs from the little kids and the kisses and the bonding that moms usually get. But because moms are equally working, dads have to equally parent. Sure. That makes right? sense. Absolutely. I, I can really. And the millennial men are getting it. And I'll tell you why. Because they watch their moms, most of them be single moms, mm -hmm. you know, where the men weren't helping out. Sure. I've seen that. You as know? Well. I've seen that as yeah. well. Yeah. And we had to do everything, work, shop, right. clean, kids. We got burnt out. We said, we don't want this, mm -hmm. you know, divorced. And then the kids watched their mom do it all and do still a pretty good job of parenting the best she could with right. everything else she was balancing. So um, the, the, the millennial men have seen that. And they have a lot of compassion towards that. It's like, you know, I wish I had a father that was around. So I, I find that interesting. And I'll, I'll have to put myself uh, out there a little bit because I'm a millennial myself. Um, mm -hmm. However, I've noticed that I'm at, I was kind of in, in the later part of when that transitioned from, I guess, I don't know what the prior generation, but before the millennial generation began, I'm right there kind of on the cusp of it. So I okay. feel like I have a mix of some of the newer age stuff that you're kind of referring to, but also more of that old school caveman mentality. And I still have a little bit of that engraved in me, but, um, how do you break free of that? Because sometimes I have go through the, just me as a man, I go through these things where I go through that self-doubt and some of this other stuff we were talking about before, like, don't be such a wuss or don't be a wimp. Like, you know, like, mm -hmm. and I think about all these different things and say, or like, even if it's something as simple, going to the doctor, I say, I don't need no doctor, you know, and all this stuff. So like, how do you break free from that? And is it, is it, is that like a old way of thinking? Is that something that should be gone? Like, where do you draw the line? Well, this is what we call fear-based uh -huh. negative thinking. Okay. Okay. And the mindset, Again, the two paths, sure. either we call it the, the right side I mm -hmm. is living in the light. Sure. This is proactive, positive, peaceful, calm, empowered, bliss in your work, love of friends, family, partner. It's really, it feels amazing. And this sure. is called the conscious or educated side of living. Okay. Then we have the dark side. This is where negativity, fears, anxiety, depression, you know, you have a bad day at work, you come home and you yell at your wife and, mm -hmm. you know, it's a big tornado of dark, you know, right. fear-based thinking. Mm -hmm. And this is where the unconscious lives. This is where most people live. Full conscious awareness people is about four to 5% of the population. Most people live on instinct. They don't wake up and think about their day. They don't wake up and make three goals and consciously throughout the day, am I doing exactly what I want? You know, this conscious awareness is something we adapt 24 seven. Sure. It's great. You know, if something negative happens, boom, we think, what can we do? Mm -hmm. Okay. Solution A, solution B. Yeah, I think I'll do that. Mm -hmm. So we're not shook up very often. Right. 
You know, it's a really great way to live. So people who are stuck in that I'm not worthy message or the anything dark, negative is on the dark side. That's the unconscious. This is what I do. I teach the mindset to take it from unconscious fear-based thinking to full conscious awareness. So it changes all aspects of your life. And then we put the love component on it. Makes sense. So we break any negative habits, destructive patterns, emotional triggers, trauma-based reactions, impulsivity, people-pleasing, perfectionism, blame, blurting out, all that negative stuff, we totally change. Makes perfect sense. Well, Mm -hmm. uh, I I feel like I've got a total new understanding, and you've definitely opened up my mind to a lot of things here, so I appreciate that more than you know. Um, Is there anything, uh, as we begin to wrap up here, is there anything that um, you would like to sum up for everybody? I know you mentioned you have some gifts for the listeners. Yeah. Do you want to kind of wrap it up here and sum up for everyone? Yeah, I come bearing gifts always. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, on my website, yeah, rihannamilne.com. First of all, we talked about the Life and Love Transformation Discovery Session. Get that now at the ridiculous low price it's at for the virus special. Um, Also, while you're on there, I have a great free ebook. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you'll just see that at the top. My two books, Live and Love Beyond Your Dreams, are sister books. Mm-hmm. Um, they're meant to go together. One's about the mindset for success, and one is about success and love. Sure. So you can get free chapter downloads, like the first 60 pages of each book, mm-hmm. right there under the book section. And uh, I have the free love tests. So you can take the childhood trauma checklist. You can do ACOA. You can do... Uh, rate your partner. How are they doing? Uh-huh. And if you're a single, are you really ready to date test? And it'll open your eyes to tell you a lot. So there's four of them. You can do all four of them. Um, my podcast lessons in life and love. I have a new release every Friday, tons of education and I have 83 shows out. That's awesome. They're on my YouTube I've channel checked out and some iTunes. Myself, and I would suggest you guys definitely check them out. I think <laughs> they're, very, they're awesome. I, I've enjoyed them myself. So that I'm thank you. Them, certainly. Well, thank you so much for the, I think people will really appreciate that. Is there anything else you have wanted to say? Yeah, I just want to say, guys, if you're recognizing yourself in what we talked about tonight, don't wait. Once you have the mindset for success, once you learn it, mm-hmm. you have it forever. Sure. So it's amazing, especially if you're parents, right? You really want to learn this so you teach your kids, like I taught my kids, to be extremely successful. Right. Okay? Um, it, it really works. All of it works. It's so fascinating. Um, and, you know, the time Time is now to create the life you desire and to have the love you deserve. Don't wait. Sure. That makes perfect sense. Well, I will make sure that uh, all of you, if it's okay with you, I'll ask your permission here while we're on air, but uh, your social media and things like that, I can put in the description of the video. Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay. I'll make sure all of that is there for you. Perfect. And uh, is it okay? I will put your Twitter on there if they want to follow you on Twitter and all of that good stuff. I'm mostly active on Coach Rihanna Milne on Facebook. That's where I put all my summits, my podcasts. That's where we'll be listed. Okay. I'll make sure I put that on there as well. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, I definitely feel like I'm walking away with a total better understanding um i think the viewers including myself was able to relate to some things that we talked about and i definitely looking forward to getting a copy of your book we can find that on amazon is that right yeah amazon barnes and noble bookstores in the u.s but for those global listeners uh amazon.com 
Okay, yeah, it would be best. Okay, well, Rihanna, it was a real pleasure having you on. I'll definitely be in touch with you here uh, after the show. I'm going to uh, chat with the audience a little bit and kind of okay. uh, say a few things. But it was a real pleasure having you. And thank you so thank much. Thank you. Good luck to everybody. Hey, be happy. It. Be safe. Remember, life is short. Live large. Yeah, you enjoy that Florida weather. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am. <laughs> Take care. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. So there you have it. Uh, That was Rihanna Milne, Life in Love Coach. I thought she had a lot of great stuff to share. Um, It was really informative to me. Uh, I feel like I've learned a lot. I hope you guys did as well. Um, If you would like... Sorry about that. If you would like, make sure that you reach out to her, contact her. Um, I have all of her information. All the links should be in the description, so check those out if you would like. I would suggest picking up her book or even going to YouTube, typing in RihannaMilne.com or Rihanna Milne into YouTube. You'll find a bunch of her uh, videos and her podcast. She's got a lot of great stuff, and it was a real uh, pleasure having her on. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for tuning in. A uh, big shout-out to a few of the people who tuned up into the chat Kayla says I have her website up now thank you for checking her out Kayla I'm sure she will appreciate that Um, but you guys uh, have a wonderful day enjoy the rest of your week Uh, if there's anything that you guys need or any questions or you have any questions for the guest I'll be glad to forward that information along if you're unable to get in contact with them Um, but enjoy the rest of your day thanks for tuning in to another episode of the K2 podcast thank you and take care (laughs) 